This is the I Love Success Podcast. I'm Peter Jurukowski, and I have made a vow to myself to help as many people as possible to achieve their dreams. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success Podcast. My virtual world tour continues, and today I travel to Belgium to meet with a true badass. Junior Lefebvre is intense so intense that nobody wanted to train with him as he was knocking people out right and left in practice. With the mindset, every training is a championship. Although he had a hard time finding sparring partners, he managed to become a two-time world champion, three-time European champion, and a lot more. So I actually have more than 500 victories. And one thing that I wanna share is that 86% of the time, that junior competed, he actually won, and 95% he medaled. That is an amazing statistics which speaks volumes of the mindset of one of the strongest in the world. So let's welcome Junior Lefebvre. Okay, welcome to all of you. Thank you to, uh, <laughs> for this uh, interview, thank you. I'm, I'm grateful to, to talk to you. I, as I told you before, as a karate athlete myself, uh, I've been watching you. I always got ideas from you. I always love your fighting style. But can we go back to, to when you were eight years old and your father brought you to the karate school? What do you remember from your first practice? <clears throat> My first practice. Uh, first, um... Why did I start karate? You know, uh, because that was the, the main point. Uh, I was bullied uh, uh, on school. I was living in a very bad neighbor in, in Brussels, um, in Molenbeek, where you have, you know, it's very multicultural. And um, uh, I was always bullied by a lot of um, uh, Muslim young boys that were, you know, in communities and I was there alone, like an alone son. And even the teachers at school say to my dad, your son should try to defend himself a little bit because he just let them, let him do. So the first step of a father is okay. He's watching a, a, a quality sensei. He went to the, to the class and, uh, I've practiced quality. Uh, I remember my father saying to me, okay, you will try karate, judo, aikido, and after a month, you have to make a choice, and you will, you will choose one path, and I decide to do karate. Okay. And do you remember, like at that point when you were eight, nine years old and growing up as a teenager, how was your, how was your confidence? Um... Actually, I was, I was good in, in karate. I didn't know that. I was quite good in karate, but I, at that time, I did prefer the kata part, you know, the technical part, because I was always like afraid to fight. Maybe with my past bullied uh, feelings that I had. Uh, but then the, I have a really hard father, uh, really strong. Uh, I remember I went to a club uh, that was in Scarbeck with a lot of uh, strangers where they were used to, to fight. And the first, the really first day I arrived there, I was like a, a blue belt, but more a technical blue belt. Uh, I have a, a little boy from my age, green belt, say, oh, 
how are you? Do you want to, to spar with me to warm up? And he beat the shit out of me. Really. I was bleeding, my eye was blue, and um, I, I was looking at my dad like, Dad, please help me. The only thing my dad said was, go back. And you know, another parent, another parent was there, oh, I will give him some tissue. And my father said, oh, 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 oh. what do you do? <laughs> Why do you touch my son? But he's bleeding. And my father said, is it, is it your son? No, so don't touch him. <laughs> he will learn. He will learn. And so, you know, went back to him because even he was hard, I could talk with him and I said, Dad, why, why, why are you like that? And he said to me, life is hard, son. And, and, and you have to understand when, you, when something like this happened to you, you have only two ways. Or you go down or you stand up. And I want you to learn how to stand up. So next time, when you have that kid, you go back again. Till the time you will win. Wow. And so it took me six months before I could beat that kid up. And the time I beat the kid, after I went to the kid and say, oh, do we make warming up like usual, you know, sparring? And the kid, oh, no, I got pain today. Oh, my leg is sore. And I understood my dad's position in a certain way. I say, thank you, dad. And he said, yeah, you have to be like this. Every time you have to train like to be the best because people always want to put you down. That's life. Life is hard. So that's how I learned karate. I love that. And, and where does that come from, from your father? Where, where does his mindset come from? My father is absolutely not a karateka. My father is a, he's a baker. <laughs> uh, he he makes uh, bakery and um, uh, pastelery, um, uh, you know, cakes. Yeah. So that's, that's his job, making cakes. And, but he was really dedicated with me and really his mindset. I think I don't know if I can be so strong as him. Because my father was quite wealthy, because we had like uh, uh, different, different shops. But my father and my mother got a dispute. Yeah. And my father had to take a choice. Or to keep me, or to keep his business. And the day after, he sold everything and, keep, and I was with him. So that was quite hard. I don't know if I would be able to do the same, like if tomorrow I would let everything down just to keep my kids. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Really, I don't know. But my father is someone hard, but with a good heart. That's, that's so beautiful. And can you, can you talk a little bit, you know, competing, you've competed a lot in your life. And I know you're a traditional karateka as well. What is it with competing that you enjoy and that you like? Okay. Um, I compete a lot, really a lot, but not so long. When you look at the karate career, I stopped when I was about mm, 24, 25. So it's quite short. So I will explain myself why. Um, for me, competing 
is part of my practice. When I did start karate, um, my father is true that always told me you have to try to be the best. So uh, on, on the training point of view, I always wanted to achieve to uh, be better than the day before. And so competing for me was like a training. So winning or losing in competition, of course, I prefer to win the competition, but it was how I, I achieved the, the competition. Did I, I did better than last time at the competition? Yes or no? Um, what can I uh, include in my own trainings thanks to the competition? So I did love the game. I love to fight and I love the game of the competition, but I prefer the training than the competition. And, and how, how, like, when did you realize that you could become like a champion? Like, when was it a specific moment in your time when you were like, oh, I'm, I really want to become a European and world champion and I think I can do it? Um, I think my, my good point is that I always uh, did put some objectives, some targets that were uh, achievable for me to uh, goals that I, were, that I could reach. Yeah. So my first goal as a kid was to be like a national champion. So when I was nine, I went to see a, a national championship and I said, dad, I want to be like him. And that was, that, that guy was like all senior Belgium champion. And so my dad looked at me and say, you want to be like that? Really? Because we have two ways. Then but my dad said, we have two ways to work, you and me. Or you do karate for pleasure, like everyone, then I will not invest a lot. You do three times a week and you have a pleasure. Or you want to become like him, but you will suffer like him. And I will help you by trying to find the best teachers, making private classes and so on and so on. So thanks to him, I achieved my first goal that was being Belgium champion. I was Belgium champion's card, Akumide, then the second time, then the third time. And I'm looking down the, you know, the European level and I say, yes, I can do it. I'm, I'm sure I can do it. And that's how I became the first European Kata and Kumite champion in the WKF level. And even my own country, you know, we have selections. In each country, you have selections. So when I, I went for the selections, they wanted me to choose or for Kata or for Kumite. And I was young, you know, at that time, the cadet category is like the juniors now. So I was about 16. So the selection was when I was 15. And I said to my dad, I say, I don't know why they want me to, I don't know what to choose because I'm good in both. Yeah. And my father defend me, went to, um, to the board and say, he's champion in both. He has to be selected in both. If you can prove me he's not good enough, I accept it. But if he's good enough, he has to go for both or I go to court. And so I went and in one way, the Federation was only thinking, hoping I will fail, but I won. 
And how did that feel to, to become as a 16 year old, like a, a European champion in both uh, Kata and Kumita? No, of course. Yeah. On that day I was, I was, I was the most happy man, the most happy kid on earth because you know, what, the, the, the pain, the pain you, you did and you when you are 16, you want to enjoy your, I don't know, girlfriends uh, going out uh, with your, with your, your mates and things like that. I was home. I was doing my kalas. I was doing my kumite. I was fighting. I was doing everything but the social part that yeah. was really, really restricted. I had friends, but when my friends say, "Oh, you want to have, a, you want to go to the, to the pub with us or the, to the movie?" Oh no, I have to go training. So after two or three times, they even don't didn't ask me anymore. So what? I can't. I can't blame them. That, that's a bit normal. I think quality people, we are like in another world. Yeah. On a high level, we are just on, in another world. So, uh, good part, I succeed. But what I understood was who more pressure I put on myself, who better I was. So that's quite, quite funny yeah. because I understood on, when I was 16, that you have several types of people. People that when you press them, they became bad. And when you, when you motivate them, uh, they, they are good. And me, I was the other side. Who more my father was pushing me, you have to win. This one wants to beat your ass and, and he's better than you. Who, who more I was like exploding from, from inside. I, was, I remember the trick, my father's trick was to say when I was 15, oh, that guy, I heard that he said he would kick your ass. <laughs> but that wasn't true. My father didn't understand what, 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 what he was saying. The only thing was he wanted me to be angry yeah. because he knew that if I was too relaxed, I was not so, um, not so good on the tatami. But when I was under pressure and in fire, my level was really on top. Yeah. And you can see all the achievements I've made was with the best people. Yeah. You know, the, I don't know, I can give you names. Yeah. Uh, when I had to fight the first time Wade Otto, you know, when you are, you are 18 years old and you have a legend like that in front of you, yeah. normally legends in front and you are like so young, you piss in your pants. Yeah. And me, the only thing I wanted was to beat him off. So that's the way. And I understood that some kind of people, you have to press them and more pressure I had, the better it was. And, and how, like, why do you think that, that that's it? Like if you would think in your mind, why is it like that, you think? I guess my education, because I was hard from the start. Yeah. And actually when you are, and some coaches were like that with me, Oh, Junior, it will be good today. Massage, you know, massage the back. And, and I was just soft on the mat. So I'm just a kind of person, you have to be hard because I'm a hard person from, from inside. You know, I'm living alone with my father. I don't have the mother part. I'm just tough. And I'm built like this. So you have to psychologically understand me. And 
who more pressure have, who better was. Point. And I, I, I understood as a coach, and that is good, that athletes are different. Yeah. So as a national coach, I am different depending on the reaction on everyone. So I make some drills with them, and then I see this one, okay, I have to talk with him. This one, I, let, I have to let him in his, in his zone, in his sphere of confidence. This one, I have to push him. I have to scream at him. So I understood that. That's why I think I became a quite successful coach because I can handle those kind of situations. And how did it affect you as a person? You're, you're this super successful karate athlete, super hard. You, 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 you feed under pressure. But outside of the dojo and outside of competing, how did you deal with be, the softer side as well? Uh, outside of the mat, I'm really good. I mean, I don't think anyone on earth here on the karate world can say I'm a bad person. Because when, when someone asks me a favor, I'm the first one to do it. Because I'm a quality person and I think we need to have respect for each other. Yeah. You need to understand each other, whatever genders, colors, ways, whatever. I understand everything and I help everyone. People are willing to come to my dojo, they are free to come. Yeah. Uh, you want me to go over? I have absolutely no problem to go over whatever country it is. But once it comes to a mat, the, I don't know, it's like a chip change. I remember when I was a kid and I was preparing in the European Championships, the worst for the people was at the training. Outside of the training, I was laughing with them, I was making jokes. Uh, I was making stupidities like any other adolescent, but once on the mat, if you talk to me, it was too much. So why I was telling, if you are in front of me, is that you want to beat me? That's all. That was my mentality. So the people that succeed to understand that became champions also because they were hard with me. And that's why on certain moment, my club was one of the most successful club we had in Europe. Uh, in a certain time, you had myself, I was still a competitor and a sensei. You had Diego van der Schrik. It's an amazing uh, fighter. Amazing fighter that was European champion, vice world champion that lost of, um, uh, of Rafael. Um, you had Timothy Peterson yeah. from, from the Netherlands. Uh, you had, uh, we call them the Owen, Owen twins, and they became also uh, on European level uh, medalists. So I had a lot of medalists on European level. But my club on that time, my club was very small yeah. because there was only two ways. Or you keep the level or you go out. So for the financial part, it was not good. Yeah. My club was not good for, the, for my pocket. It was not good. Yeah. Oh, I have jokes like that I can share. <laughs> I was meeting people in the street in Liège. Oh, hello, sensei, how are you? And oh, kid, how are you? Why, why you don't come back to Kwade? He looked at me. 
with you, <laughs> with your band, you were kicking my ass the whole time. Yeah. I was only a, a no orange belt. <laughs> and say, no, 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 that's too hard for me. Yeah. And then after I look my club and I see Diego, this one, all black belts, blah, 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 blah. And then no one in the middle and few, few starters. Yeah. And I realized, damn, something is wrong. Yeah. I make something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I start really my club properly, uh, you know, um, uh, a competitor, a, a competitive class, and a normal class. Yeah, I was just mixing too much. Yeah, and and let's let's talk about haters. I know you've had a, had a, a lot of issues with your federation and with people like trying to hate on you. What, yeah. Why do you think there's? Why do you think some people are don't want peop, other people to succeed and and how how should we deal with that because anybody watching this right now that wants to become a world european champion is going to have that issue okay um in every sport every federation we have problems sometimes problems are solved internally sometimes thanks to court uh, or sometimes the athlete just stopped. Uh, what happened to me was I was a very successful competitor. I had a band, a certain band with my federation that in Belgium, when you have a certain result, normally the Olympic Committee give you a certain kind of money back. You know, the federation gets money because of your results. Because I was European champion for Belgium, uh, as a cadet, as a junior, even the first time as a senior, normally a certain package has to be for me. But what did the Federation? They used the package for the whole team. And I had no problem with that, that they use part of my money for the team. But that they say to me, you cannot do this and this and this. You cannot go and train with Jose Manuel Egea in Spain. I could not understand. I say, yes, but that's my money. I want to spend money to go to Spain and learn more to become world champion. That's how start the conflict because of money. And because we were, I was touching a point that I show to other clubs that the federation was stealing money. So I became like the black sheep of the federation, the guy to hit. So anything that I did was taken like a mistake. Uh, we have several uh, uh, national training days to follow, about 12 a year, and I did miss one. One, because uh, I was giving class. And I say to the federation, I have to give class. Uh, it was to a regional federation. And I received a letter that I was not selected anymore because of the lack of one training. Even I was European senior champion and I, did a, and I was much better than anyone else. Yeah. So, of course, I went to court. I won, of course. But the reaction was, okay, we can select you, 
but we are not obliged to coach you. So I remember I went to the World Championship 1998 in Rio de Janeiro. I was 19 years. My father could go, not go with me. Why? Because I had the court appeal the day before I could fly. So I just knew the day before I could fly, I could go. And I go with the team and I'm there with my paper that I can go by the court. And they say, okay, we land in Rio. They say, the team go with the bus, you take a, you take a cab. Well, you are not part of the team, you are outside. That was so hard for me, that was so hard. The team, they say to the, my team members, if they talk to me, they would exclude them from the team. So I went there, so frustrated. And I remember I was in, in Yoy fighting. I look, no coach. And in that time, it was an obligation to have a coach, if you remember. Now it's not anymore because we have so many categories. And lucky for me, Yap Smal was there as a central referee. And he came to me and say, where's your coach? And I say, I don't know, in the hotel, because everyone lost the first round, so they went back. He went to the central table, and they agree I could fight, because of course, WKF do not sanction a fighter because of a, a mistake of a federation. So that was good. And I became third. I lost in semi-final from Samad Azadi. He was very good, really good fighter. Normally, I never lost of that guy. I lost because I hit him. I lost because of contact. So I was so pissed. I lost my way to go to the final. I became third at the world championship. I lost, I, I won 6-0 for the third place. And I was unhappy to be third at the world championship. So can you, can you imagine how it is as 19 years old, being medalist of the world and being unhappy? So when I came back, I said to my dad, I will stop karate. And he said, we, we, find a, we find a solution. And that's, that's how I, 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 uh, I had that relationship with Croatia in a certain way. A lot of countries wanted to accept me, Luxembourg, Germany, but every time it was, oh, you have to be citizen for four years or three years, and then you can apply uh, for the citizenship. Yeah. And I believe in God. And I think God was there for me. In one week, I received a Croatian passport. Why? Because ex-Yugoslavia just split and there was a certain facility for, Croatia, for, for Serbian to become Croatian. You know, for Serbians that were living in Croatia for so many years to just get the passport. And I had that facilities. Of course, the Croatian Federation accept me and I really thank them for that. I had to prove I was better than, than the other guy I did the national, Croatian nationals trainings and everything. But they, they really accepted me. And the first championship I did for them was Oviedo. I think it was in 99. 
for the U21 category. And we didn't have internet and sport data like we have now. I was selected for both countries. I was selected for Belgium and I was selected for Croatia. But Belgium didn't know. Belgium didn't know. I, I, I shut up. You know, I, because I knew Belgium at the last moment will say, oh, you are not selected. So I continue my case. I was selected for both countries. And again, I got a letter. You are not selected to go to the European Championship. But I go to Oviedo <laughs> myself. And uh, the guy in place, the Belgian guy said, no, 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 he cannot participate. He's Belgium. And I show the Croatian flag. <laughs> and he said, but no, 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 he's Belgian. And he go to the central table to Esteban to say, no, he can't participate. And Esteban said, but what's the problem? He got two passports. So he, he can do what he wants. So now he's not Belgium anymore for us. So just go on the side. And that day, I won the European Sub-21 Championship without one point against me. You were angry. <laughs> and the only thing I wanted was to have a Belgian boy in front of me. Yeah. The only thing that made me sad that day and happy on the other side was when I heard the national anthem. Yeah. Because that was not my own anthem. That was the one of Croatia, and I was happy to, to, to work with them. But of course, you know, my, my, my heart was still for Belgium at that time. Yeah. And with the time, it changed. Yeah. With the time, it changed. Thank you for sharing that. And, and... So what I can say to, to people that got problems is that you have solutions if you fight. Yeah. But you have, you have to be strong. Yeah. Because this, what happened to me, if, if this happened to someone else, maybe the, that person just dropped down. And you need to have support, support of your parents, of your friends, because alone, I would not do it. Yeah. Because I was, when I came back from, from Brazil, I was broken. It's incredible. And, and it, it also shows that, you know, you people always don't know the full story right because you look at the records and say oh yeah. he plays third he should have been the happiest guy in the world and then all this shit is going on in your life and that 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 i think that's a great lesson to understand that winning is not always the same as happiness can you agree with that yes um winning uh, in the championship winning also depends on on the effort you put. Yeah. And I can tell you that because, you know, when I was world champion, oh, I was the most happy man on earth. Yeah. Because I was training like crazy. I remember, poof, I have a daughter. And I say to my wife, I don't want my daughter to do the same because I know what, what, what I have passed through. The, the pain, the tears, everything. And... Uh, I was training like six hours a day. I was, I was a damn machine. I was just a machine uh, doing push-ups nonstop, 150 push-ups nonstop, sit-ups, I don't know, 500 of them, 
making quality trainings till, till, till my knees goes on the floor. And uh, so I was really, really happy at the World Championship uh, when I, uh, in Munich. And I did really good fights. And when you see the videos, I, I, I don't know if you saw the videos of Munich. I've seen it. Uh, on a certain time, I was losing against that, that guy from, from Venezuela that, that was really good. Yeah. And again, it was only the mental part that says, fuck, you have to continue. You have to go on till the last, last second. And after, bam, 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 everything goes back. And I feel that, that positive motivation coming back and, you know, everything goes wild. Yeah. In 2002, uh, when it came for the World Championship in Madrid, I have a very tough draw. Uh, I think first round was Iran, second round, uh, Cyprus, third round, Russia, then Turkey, Alagash, then in semi-final I had uh, Spain, and in final I have Di Domenico from uh, Italy. And I make, you know, I did not train for that World Championship. Why? Because I, you know, I had to make a choice. Having money, because with Quali, I could, by being of a national team, even for Croatia, I get nothing. So my work was my club. I had my club at that moment and I needed to give class. So I didn't have the chance to, um, to make the training I did for 2000. I remember only one week before I started running, running, doing some, some Quali work and but by my experience, I reached, I reached the final. I lost the final. I could win it. When you see the match, it was tough, tough. You know, yeah. I was a bit angry, but I say, oh, I'm happy for him. It's good. And I went back and I said to my dad, you know, this time I'm vice world champion. I'm not happy and I'm not sad. It's time I'm stopped. It's time for me to stop competition. I don't want to drag it and, and to make like a lot of fighters so long as possible and that, that people will see them like, oh, he's nothing anymore. I say to my dad, I want to go out with a really good level. Yeah. And I went out and I was still good. Yeah. And I came back to what I really loved, that was training yeah. and kicking people's asses on training. <laughs> and here, after I, I was contacted by people from Australia, and my first, I put another challenge. And my next challenge was being the best trainer in the world. Yeah. So you see, I, I, I've put myself challenges be time. a national champion, be a European champion, be a senior European champion, be a senior world champion. And after I was like a bit bored. I, I did everything. Okay, I, I have a good club now. I need another challenge. And that other challenge was I need to be the best coach. I need to be a good coach. First, it was to be a good coach, yeah. a hard coach. And I came back. I remember I came back in my dojo, training hard, 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 and my level went up again. And I was contacted by Australia to, give, to, to go to the IAS. And I think there are still stories there, people from Australia know 
because they were not respectful. You know, uh, the, those guys, they were kids. They were kids playing, going out. And for me, is that the national team? I've put all the guys of the national team and I say, I'm a trainer and I will kill everyone here. <laughs> and I ask, <laughs> I remember I asked uh, Concassis, that was a, 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 a referee, to referee. I did, if I remember well, I did 34 matches nonstop. 30 second pause between each matches. And I won all of them. I lost one point. Can we and just so- talk about that? Like, what, what is it with you that you do that? You know, you talk about training. You, you train till you fall apart. And, like, what's going on in your mind? How can you push yourself more than most people? Like, what is it in your mind? Like, what, what are you seeing when you're training? Um, I try to push myself first because I want, like I said before, I want to be... When I did the last competition, I knew my level was not so good as 2000. So I say to myself, you have to wake up. You have to wake up or you will be like everyone else. And I know how it is in Kuala. Your name is there, the day after your name is not there anymore. And you, if you want to be someone we remember, you have to be exceptional. And we know people that are exceptionals. Rafael Agaev is someone exceptional. Uh, Jose Manuel Aguirre is someone exceptional. Wayne Otto is someone exceptional. Biamonti is someone exceptional. Everyone with his little history and his kind, uh, Pina, because he came with the kicks. But I know people better that people forgot. Example, Sedina Balde. He's a great guy, but no one remember him. If you ask a kid who is Sedina Balde, he would look at you, I don't know. And that guy was also exceptional, but didn't perform enough. And I didn't want to be like them. And I wanted to be remembered because I think the day you die, the day you die, people have to remember what you, what was your acts, what was your actions. So you have to let, to, to let something, your fingerprint there. What do you want to, how do you want people remember you the day you kick the bucket? So the day I will be too old and I will go out of the, uh, of the, of there, I want people to remember me first as a good competitor that was complete because I could succeed in both disciplines. So I could, I can be remembered like a true Kuarika. And second, and second, like a good coach in both disciplines again. And like a good man in the the other side, like a good man, because I'm a good man. I think, I hope I'm a good man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Junior. I, I, have, I have a final question to you, and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, for people that are watching and listening to this, that have a big dream, it might be in karate, it might be in something else. They want to become you know, the best. They want to they really go after their dream, but they're afraid. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to do it. 
like what what would be your best advice for them where do they start right after this this podcast you know at the start i was afraid too so you have two points or you are lucky because you are you have someone that can see your talent with me it was my father and in a lot of good people that i know parents are in an important part. Sometimes it's the coach, but a lot of time it's the parent. Or if you are old enough, you have to be able to analyze yourself before you analyze the other ones. And that was words, wisdom words that I had from my sensei, Jose Manuel Ejea. When I went to train with him, you know, I was like a, a young champion. He was really uh, an icon for me, an idol. And he said, I remember his words, Junior, you're good. And you are not good. And I look at him, well, what, what does he want to mean? You think all the time you are thinking about the other ones. What you have to do because the other one is doing Kizami Gyaku. What you have to do because this one is doing that. And you don't know what you do. You don't know what are your strong points, your weak points. So first, before trying to analyze the other ones by videos, uh, internet, and, and stuff like that, try to know yourself first. When you will know yourself 100%, your good and your, your, your mistakes, you will be able to adapt to the other ones. And that's how the chess game starts in karate. Because even you are weaker than the other one, you can win. I love that. And I think it goes for whole life. If you, you have to know yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Junior, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for sharing so open heartedly. Uh, truly appreciate it. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? And I know you have this camp coming up uh, in just a couple yeah. of days. Can you talk about that as well? Yes, I can talk about that. So um, it's already a few times that I'm doing uh, some camps with, uh, with the, the help of some of my people uh, of the English team and some of the Adidas team. And this time I want to do the, the, the camp to be a bit special. Uh, complete. Kara and Kumite. So this time we have the honor to have Yukimitsu Hasegawa and Antonio Diaz as teacher for the Kada part. Then you have myself, Gojita Arcania, Jordan Thomas, and René Smal. So we are all champions. I want to make, even in the time of lockdown, I think it's important that people can receive instructions from people that are good. Good people that can give good feedbacks, good tips, so how to continue to evaluate even in this hard period, hard, hard time. And at the same time, the money that they invest go partially to a charity funding. So we are, we are not doing it only for the, oh, I want money. No, we also do that for a kind of charity that uh, we are funding. So I really hope people will be jumping on it. One, because the lessons will be good. And two, because Thanks to that, they are doing a good action. Awesome. If people are having problems, financial problems or anything, they can still contact me. 
because of course the politic of Adidas is not of making distance with people, it's trying to make that sport has to be open for everyone. Yeah, so it's also very important to say they can contact me by on my personal uh, email that is lefebvrejr at yahoo.fr. They can contact me on WhatsApp by uh, Facebook, uh, Junior Lefebvre. I have several Facebook accounts uh, or by Instagram. Sometimes I'm a bit slow to answer. I'm really sorry to, uh, to the people that are watching. I'm really sorry for that because I have to deal with a lot of things, you know, organizing championships, organizing uh, seminars, my own club that I have to restart, but I answer, yes? So I hope people will be present. I hope maybe you will be present also, my friend. Thank you. And uh, I will see you. Thank and you so much. Uh, for the other part, stay safe. Yeah, thank you, Junior. And thank you, everybody that watched so far that's been here with us today. Uh, if you want to learn more about uh, us, go to ilovesuccess.co. We have almost 200 amazing conversations with world champions, UFC champions, uh, entrepreneurs, authors, New York Times bestsellers. We, we have talked to amazing people that are sharing with their heart. We want... What I want to do, I want to help at least 10 million people to go after their dreams. So if you enjoyed this conversation, share some love, share this with someone that needs to hear Junior's message because it is it's incredible. Thank you guys and talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.